All right, well, good morning, everybody. Okay, so last week I introduced myself and said, hi, my name is Jamie, and here's a few things you need to know about me. And one of those things is I like a little bit of interaction um, with the, the, the crowd. You guys are the crowd today, not the church or the crowd. I don't know what that's supposed to be. But so I like it when you say good morning, amen, woohoo, or any of those sorts of things as you agree. Hallelujah, that works. Um, so good morning. Oh, there's a hallelujah and a good morning. You're just trying to mess things up, aren't you, Audrey? That's all right. Um, this morning, I'm pretty excited to preach to you uh, from God's Word. Uh, this last week, we, I've been like preparing for a new sermon series. We just finished 1 Corinthians, which, you know, it's awesome when you do a series out of one book of the Bible because you literally do not have to think about what you're speaking next. You just oh, here it is, and then God gives you the words. But as we enter a new series, you have to like really pray and dream and listen to the Lord, and what does he have to say to this church? And I came up with something at the beginning of, the, of, of like two weeks ago. This kind of had come up, and it started like, oh yeah, this is it. This is the next thing. And then we had a conversation as a staff, and uh, they were like, no, we need to talk about this other thing. And it really just it discombobulated me. So for like a whole week, I wrote four sermons this week. And I'm going to preach all of them right now. No, kidding. No. <laughs> yeah. You're like, so just those Italian sodas will be there when we're done. Um, no, I'm not. I promise. I wrote four sermons this week, and like, I'm getting three quarters of the way through them. And I'm like, this is just not clear. This is not what the Lord is speaking to us. This is, this is not it. And, and it really even got confusing because it was about vision, about vision for our church, about vision for our life. And can I just tell you, I hate vision statements. Because it's like this contrived business model that we impose on the church and everybody's got to be able to say it and it's got, you know, this big rally cry. And, you know, I just don't think God really necessarily works that way. He has a vision for our lives. He has a vision for this city and for this community. And we are just participating in it and we're jumping in. And so as we go through this series, I do want you to know this is a vision series. As much as I don't like vision series, this is a vision series. This is about what we're about. This is about what we see God doing in our church and in our world. It's tracing the lines of that vision, the shape, the outline of it. And we were going to fill it in. We're, you guys ever seen the video about building the plane while it's flying? You seen that? This is like totally off the cuff. Like, it was just really funny. Well, so I'll just have to show it later. Maybe next week I'll, I'll show it for you. But it's like people actually building an airplane, a 747, as it's flying. And they're it's like, I love building airplanes while they're flying. And that's kind of what this is. We're building an airplane as we fly it. We are learning to listen. We are learning to obey. And we're learning to follow God. So the series along this, um, it took me three, four different sermons about 18 miles of hiking in the Wallawa Mountains over the last few days. Um, it, all of that to finally get this on paper last night. And if you know me, I am not a last night sermon sort of guy, right? I, I just like Thursday. Like if Jesus wants to speak to me about what he wants to speak to you, he can do it early in the week so I don't get anxious on Saturday night. And he usually does, but this one took me till last night. And so what I want to do is pray that what I have to say will be clear, that what, what the Lord has placed on my heart would speak truth to you and to your heart this morning, and uh, that it would set us up for what God has for the next several weeks as we look at the outlines of the vision that God has for your life and for this church. So will you pray with me? Jesus, I thank you that you still speak. I thank you that 
Um, when we come to you and we say, God, what is it that you have for my life? What is it that you have for this church? What is it that you have for this city? What is it that you have for this world? That you have an answer. And God, I thank you that you involve us in that answer. That you don't say, yeah, you just sit back, I got this. But you say, no, come, follow me. Enter into this thing that I have for you. Enter into this thing that I have for the world. God, I pray this morning that you would give us vision for our lives. Vision that would just wreck us for anything less. In your name, amen. So a couple, about a month ago, the Haas family and my family got to go on a mission trip. And I've been talking about this a lot lately. And so many of you are wondering, why could he possibly tell us more about this mission trip, right? I'm kind of done hearing about it, Pastor Jamie, but it was, it was an incredible, incredible time for our families. First of all, we got to go as a family and participate in the mission of God. Eight-year-old daughter, 13, now 14-year-old son, 17-year-old daughter, and, and, and my wife and I, and then the Haas whole family, out together serving Jesus and learning and following his spirit and obeying his call. It was an incredible time. When we showed up, though, so the first part of this trip was at the YWAM base camp in Cascade, Idaho. Seriously, in the middle of nowhere. You drive to McCall, Idaho, which is like, I don't know, they say it's only three hours, but it's got to be at least eight. And then you drive another hour south, and then you turn left and drive forever into nowhere, Idaho. And it's just burnt trees and mountains, because it had a forest fire a few years back. And there's this camp sitting there. And we come into the camp, and we get set up, and we're getting ready, and... This, this woman comes up to Heidi and I, and she introduces herself. She's the lady that's going to be cooking our food. Her name is Kathy. Her husband's name is Andy. Just really sweet people. And, she just, uh, and we introduce each other, and, and Kathy looks at Heidi and sticks her hands out. She says, I just want you to know, I've been praying that Jesus would wreck your life. <laughs> what? She goes, but in a good way. You know, like... Oh, good. You know, I'm like, what, are you praying for divorce? What are you praying for here? Like, you're praying that a cloud falls out of the sky with ice and squishes us? I mean, what? I pray that God wrecks your life. I pray that Jesus just wrecks your family, but in a good way. And that is what I've been praying for you. I got that mischievous look on my face as I said that, didn't I? I've been praying that God would wreck your life, but in a good way. That God would wreck your family, but in a good way. That God would wreck your marriage, but in a good way. That he would wreck you in such a way that you would never be the same again. That you would never be the same again. And that you would be wrecked for anything less than everything that God has for you. And we get our things that we enjoy, right? We enjoy vacationing. We enjoy hiking. We enjoy backpacking. My wife and I, we're adventurers. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. We love to travel. We love to see the world. We love to taste new foods and to meet new people. And as wonderful as that is, as grand as that is, as great of a life that you can lead doing those kinds of things is, it's nothing compared to what God has for those who are in him. It's nothing compared to the goodness and the venture and the joy that Jesus has as we follow him. So that's what this series is all about, a vision of life, a way of living individually, each one of you and myself and my family, and each of us together as a church, a vision that is fulfilling, that is filled with joy and is an adventure to live. So open your Bibles to Acts chapter 17. We're mostly going to be hanging out in the book of Acts as we go through this series. 
But Acts chapter 17, it's toward the middle of the book of Acts. If you're unfamiliar with the Bible, if you open it to about the middle of the Bible, you'll see Psalms keep going to the right, and then you start seeing book names that make sense, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts. Acts, A-C-T-S, the Acts, the things that the apostles did. Acts chapter 17. And as you're going there, I want to say this. I have come to believe deeply that often what we experience as Christians is radically different from what God intends for us to experience. Two different realities, two different ways of being. To be even clearer, I believe that what God has intended for us as followers of Jesus is nothing short of the greatest adventure of life. Now that's those are words that we can throw around real easy, but living that out and experiencing that is difficult. In fact, many of us say, you know what? That's not how I experience life with Jesus. I don't experience life with Jesus as an adventure. I often experience it as extremely awkward. Like, God shows me something and I'm trying to step into it and I feel like a teenager, you know? Sorry, teenagers, but sometimes being a teenager is an awkward experience. Amen, teenagers? Amen, everybody who's ever been a teenager. Yeah. The older you get, the more awkward your teenage years were. It's kind of weird, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know what, how that happens. It's like most memories get polished for the good, right? You remember the best, but sometimes, I don't know. We get this awkward middle space where we're not yet what we've been called to, and we're not yet what, we're not still not what we were, right? And we're trying, we're just stumbling along, but it feels awkward. That's how I experience my, my faith sometimes. It's awkward. Sometimes I experience it as just flat boring. It has lows. It doesn't have the, the, the fullness and the, the joy sometimes. There's dry seasons. You guys know about the dry seasons? Those dry seasons? But here's the thing. Awkward seasons and dry seasons are never boring. Because in all of them, God is working in you to will and to act. He's working on your nature to grow you and to form you and to shape you so that when you come into a season of fruitfulness from a season of dryness, you experience the fullness of God's glory in the midst of that and you appreciate that all the more. And you know that he walked with you through the dry season. When we walk through our seasons of awkwardness, Heidi mentioned this the other day, we were like, we went to, to Denali National Park this last summer. Uh, we got to go back to my home, and uh, we were in a bus, and this caribou, it was 90 degrees in Alaska when we were there. It was insane. And we're in the bus, and we're driving along, and we come around a corner, and here comes this caribou running at us full speed. I mean, and the bus driver slams on the brakes, and he's like, got it in reverse, he's backing up. He thought he was going to hit us. He's just running full speed, and he looks at us as one wild eye, and he's got hair coming off of him. He's just this ugly animal. Have you ever seen a picture of a caribou? They're beautiful. These giant horns, and they're just majestic, and they stand around, and they just look awesome. Okay, have you ever seen Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? Beautiful animal, right? Same thing, just domesticated. So there's these beautiful animals, but this thing was just ugly, and it's running, and it's just, it's awkward, and hair's falling off of it, and his eyes are crazy. And I'm like, sometimes I feel like that as a Christian. I'm just, I'm trying, and I'm running, and it's awkward. But we go through these moments, and we come out the other side, and we stand tall and proud because Christ has worked in us. Being a Christian, while sometimes awkward and while sometimes dry, is never, ever boring. It is never boring because God has meant it to be an adventure. When we respond to the call of Jesus to follow me, 
You guys remember those words? Jesus said them over and over again. It was like a broken record. He's like, follow me. Guys are fishing. Hey, follow me. They're like, okay, I'll follow you. And they follow him. Tax collector, Matthew, follow me. Okay, I'll follow you. And he's calling to you and me today. Will you follow me? Follow me into all that I have for you. Every great story in the Bible really began with those words. Follow me. Follow me. And every great story in the Bible, let's, even, let's just narrow this down. Let's just think about the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. More specifically, the stories of Jesus and his apostles. You guys got that in your mind? Sorry, Jesus and his apostles? Many of you know some of these stories. So let's just say it right now. What are your favorite stories from the Jesus and the apostles? Just shout them out. The transfiguration. That was a good one. You know what starts with? Follow me. He never said follow me specifically, but he said, James, John, and Peter, follow me up this mountainside. And there they are, and Jesus is transfigured. He meets with God, and his, like, God's glory comes on it. And they got to see Moses and Abraham along with Jesus, like the Son of God being revealed to them. Great story. That's another one. Calming the storm. Jesus invites the disciples into a boat with him. And he says, come, let us go across the lake to the other side. And they wind up in a gigantic storm. And Jesus calms that storm with just a word. There's like, Jesus, we're all going to die. And he says, peace be still. Great story. Starts with, come, follow me. Another story. What? Feeding the 5,000. Like, right here, man. This is my favorite. Jesus says, come on, we're going to feed these 5,000 people. And the disciples are like, dude, we are in the middle of nowhere. Do you see all the people? I know you're counting the men. There's 5,000 men. There's also children out here and women. All these people. The disciples are like, and he wants us to feed him. Jesus says, just feed him. You know, Doug, I want you to feed all these people. He's like, yeah, right. I'm going to head down to McDonald's. There is no McDonald's, and they're a long, long way from the city. So they go around, and they start asking, Who, anybody got food? Does anybody have any food? And one boy, five loaves, no, five loaves, no, two, two loaves and five fish, or five fish and two loaves? Did I just say the same thing twice? <laughs> Either way, there was five of one thing and two of the other. This is a number. You guys know me. No numbers, bad right? So they got, and they bring it to Jesus, and they said, you wanted us to feed him. You said, do it. You said, follow me. You said, come and do this thing. Follow me out of the desert. Come feed these people. This is what we got. It's all we got. And he says, it's enough, because they followed him. 5,000 men plus women and children were fed that day from either five loaves and two fish or two fish and five loaves, (laughs) whatever. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) It was a small amount of food. Okay, it was a small amount of food. You guys get my point? I could keep, we could keep doing this all morning. But it all begins with follow me and this one word. This one word, and it's, you know, I don't, can't think of a time in the New Testament where it's actually written, this one word. But it's always implied. It's always, it's always implied in a footstep. And it's implied in a, in a hand reaching out. It's an applied in obedience. It's the word Yes. It's the word yes. When Jesus calls us to follow him, he calls us into a life of adventure, but it requires us to say yes. It is absolutely imperative that we say yes. None of what the disciples experienced in the Gospels would have happened to them. They would have, they would have been left out. They would have been standing on the outside of it looking in. They would have been still sitting in their boats, still collecting taxes. They still would have been living in their cities, studying the Old Testament law. They would have missed 
all that Jesus accomplished in the world while he was with them. He would have, they would have missed the healing of the blind men. They would have missed the raising of Lazarus. They would have missed the death of Jesus on a cross, which many of them would have liked to have missed. But because they encountered that, they got to witness the resurrection of Christ. Because they said, yes, I will follow you. Because they said, yes, I will step out and I will follow you wherever you lead. Yes, I will obey when you ask. Yes, my yes is yes before you ask Jesus. That's how they got to experience the life that they, they experienced. And then some of you are saying, well, of course. I mean, they were literally with Jesus, right? They were literally with the Son of God in human form. I mean, literally walking with him literally sleeping beside him, literally sharing meals. Now, if I literally, all the time, had Jesus physically standing next to me, my life would be pretty radically different, right? The good news is that the book of Acts is about a bunch of people, men and women, who did not meet Jesus face-to-face physically, who did not see Jesus crucified, who did not see his resurrected body walking around, who are invited into that same adventure, follow me. And their lives look a whole lot like the lives of the disciples. That's what the book of Acts, about half of it is about. About a guy named Paul, who was still young when Jesus was running around, who didn't follow him as a disciple. In fact, who killed Christians. That's okay. Like, that was his job description. Great job, right? Your job is to persecute people. You Enron? He's like, ha, all right, I'll persecute somebody, let's go. You know, it, it was his job to persecute people. And God got a hold of his life. Jesus met him in a vision and knocked him off of a horse. And it changed his life because he gave him the word yes. And it wasn't just Paul. It was other men like Barnabas and Silas, some women named Chloe and Priscilla, a woman named Junia who became the first female apostle. All through the scriptures, these people are in the book of Acts, and it comes to life as people say, yes, they're invited into an adventure where they are the instruments of God, the hands of God, laying hands on people and seeing the sick healed, laying hands on people and seeing people who can't walk stand up, laying hands on people and raising the dead. Paul preached so long one time, this might happen today, I don't know, a man fell out of a window because he fell asleep. And so Paul rushed downstairs and he's like lays his hands on him and he gets up and walks away. I hope I don't have to heal anybody that way today. This is this grand life of supernatural adventure. Thousands coming to Christ. We talk about witnessing. They just were filled with the Spirit and they were preaching. They were speaking truth to people's hearts. The Spirit was moving amongst them and crazy things were happening because they said, Yes. And here is how the world experienced it. I want to read this story from Acts 17 to you. I'm just going to read the whole thing, but there's one line in the whole thing, but I didn't figure I could preach a whole sermon off of one line. I just didn't feel biblical enough. So I'm going to read the whole story to you. Acts 17. I'm going to read verses 1 through 9. Oh, let's see. Take a breath. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis... We'll just make it up, Amphipopolis, and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, 
where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, This Jesus who I proclaim to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded. And they joined Paul, and they joined Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women. Isn't that cool? It includes the women in there. It's just referencing last week's sermon. Nobody's disqualified from God's kingdom. But the Jews were jealous, and taking some wicked men from the rabble, they formed a mob. <laughs> Paul's job description, right? Persecution. I'm going to make a mob. So they made a mob, and they set the city in an uproar. It was a social media blast, and they, they attacked them, and they attacked the house of a guy named Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. Now, obviously, they were trying to beat them up. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the other brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. I lost my place. There it's, and Jason has received them, and they are all acting against the decree of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And the people, of the city, and the people and the city authorities were disturbed. And when they, when they heard these things, and when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. They got robbed. It's not a story you typically hear preached, right? It's like, I don't know, like, what do you do with that? I'm like, I feel really encouraged. These guys came, they preached the word of God, some people believed, and then they got beat up. They got their money taken away and hauled off. There's this one line here, though about how the people who did not believe in Jesus, who did not say yes to following him, received the lives of those who did. They said this about them. These men have turned the world upside down. That's what happens when you follow Jesus. That's what happens when you give him your yes. I can't tell you what your step is tomorrow. I can't tell you what adventure you're going to find yourself in. I can't tell you if you're going to find yourself in Jason's house, having just preached the gospel to people, and you're like, I don't even preach, I don't even speak, and the Holy Spirit just empowers you. I can't tell you if that's going to happen or not. But I can tell you, when you say yes, it turns the world upside down. Your world, your next-door neighbor's world, your boss's world, your wife's world, your husband's world, your children, ch- children's world. Try saying that three times. That's really hard. It turns the world upside down. But again, it's not often how we experience faith. That's not how I feel about this, Pastor. My coming to church on Sunday morning has never turned the world upside down so that I could tell. Sometimes when I leave the church, I feel upside down and like the world is right side up. I read my Bible, but I don't, get anything amazing out of it. I don't even understand it sometimes. And when I listen to other people talk about their reading of the Bible, it's like it's publishable, right? They could write a book on it. It's so amazing. My world isn't upside down when I read the Bible. I don't even usually hear from God when I pray. Tuesdays and Thursdays, they're just not spiritual for me. And nobody ever has been turned upside down on a Monday for Jesus, right? This is the lives we live. It's just ordinary and normal. We don't set our expectations for church very high. We don't come expecting to hear from God. We don't come expecting to encounter him in worship. We come cynical. 
we come uh, hurting. We come distracted. And Jesus is here, and he's waiting, and he's calling us. He's saying, come follow me. Come enter my presence. Come be with me. And we sit into the back, and we, 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 you know, we hold our hand to our face. I'm not like trying to point anybody out. I just looked over, and Addie's got her hand to her face. <laughs> Sorry, Addie. And then Audrey's scratching his beard. He's like, yeah, like, this is what bearded people do. But we, we get this look on our face like, nah, I don't know. I'm skeptical that anything good is going to happen today. Because most days... Eh, it's just boring. We don't come with expectation. When we have our daily times with Jesus, we don't expect it to rattle us. We don't expect it to turn our world upside down. But friends, where Jesus is, the world is upside down. When Jesus speaks to you, it turns your world upside down when you say yes. Because you have to respond. Many Christians today, I would like just to call Christian survivors. We're just surviving. You know, we're just, we're just surviving. We're just getting along. We're just making it day by day. We're just, we're just excited that we made it to church today. And you know what? You're here. It's a win. Don't hear me putting anything heavy on you. It's a win that you got to church today. It's a win every time you show up to meet with Jesus, whether it's in your daily devotions or a church on Sunday or a small group on a midweek or even a potluck. It's a win. But many of us are just surviving when it comes to our faith. We're just hanging on. You know, we call ourselves Christians, but we don't really do much with it. We call ourselves Christians, but we don't experience that upside-down life. We don't experience the world being shifted and changed because we're in it and because God has said, follow me, and we said yes. And we're just kind of waiting. We're just waiting around. You know, we're just waiting for the book of Revelation to happen, right? Like, Jesus, come back, please. I'm tired of this slog. Tired of this, tired of just making it by day by day. We're just, we're just waiting for Jesus to come back. And you hear this from people. This is a Christian survivor attitude. You know, someday Jesus is going to come back, and I can't wait for that day. And in the midst of that, Jesus is saying, yes, I am going to return. But before I get here, okay, before I arrive, come follow me. Come follow me. When we said yes to Jesus, we said yes to salvation. Yes, I want in. I want all that you have. Yes, Jesus, save me. But along the way, many Christians stop saying yes. They stop saying yes because it's awkward. They stop saying yes because it's going to cost them something. They stop saying yes because it's scary. And in order to live the life that God has called you to, the order to in order to live this life like these men who experience the world turning upside down, we have to keep saying yes over and over and over again. When we stop saying yes, what we do is we move toward this horrible, horrible word, apathy. It just makes me squirmy to even say it. Apathy. Apathy. I don't care. How do we go from yes, Lord, to I don't care? The opposite of obedience is apathy. The opposite of adventure in Jesus is apathy. It's survival. It's just making it by, just making it to church. We end up moving toward apathy. But the opposite of apathy is willing obedience. It's yes. The difference between a life of adventure in Jesus and survival is that one word, yes. 
Maybe you need to write that down on something. Maybe you need to, okay, like Isaac, my son, he's not here so I can say this. He's into tattooing himself with Sharpies. Don't know why, it's a thing he does. Maybe you need to Sharpie this somewhere on your body. Yes. You can get a real tattoo if you want. It's okay, I won't judge you. Um, Yes. That's the difference between apathy and survival is willing obedience. I give God my yes. Think backwards to those favorite stories. Every single one of them involves a yes from people. Every single one of them. Sometimes, in the stories in the, Old, the New Testament, the stories of Jesus, it's people coming and asking of Jesus of something. I'm blind. Jesus is like, what do you want? It's like, well, duh, I'm blind. You know, did, did you miss this? No, it's like, what do you want? He's like, would you give me my sight back? And he says, yes. I do give you your sight back. Yes. All through the New Testament. Feed the 5,000? Yes. Five loaves, two fish? Two loaves, five fish. I don't know. Boom, a feast. Yes. Come follow me up to the mountain to see the transfiguration. Boom, an encounter with God unlike any other those men had ever had. Then Jesus says, go wait for me in Jerusalem. And the disciples say, yes. We will go wait for you. For we will wait for what you've promised us in Jerusalem, in a tiny room with a bunch of smelly people, and boom, the Holy Spirit comes and empowers them and gives them his spirit and gives him the gifts, everything that they need to do, everything that God has called them to do, boom, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, preaching in power, miracles, signs and wonders, because God uses signs and wonders to tell the world of his goodness. And you, my friends, are one of those miracles. Oh, miraculous doesn't happen. You are, you are saved. You are changed. You've been made clean. Your past has been separated and taken as far as the east is from the west. And even though you're still living in some of those things, God is in the process of transforming you from the inside out. You are a miracle. And he is waiting for you to say yes to experience more. He's waiting for you to say yes so that somebody across the street from you can experience a miracle because they can see the work of God in you. He's waiting for your yes. It all starts with yes. I wish I could take credit for this idea, but Heidi gave it to me yesterday while we were hiking. She reminded me, <laughs> you know, I told you earlier that Heidi and I are adventurers. I said to her, I started, I'll start with a question. I'm like, do you think people in our church know that we're adventurers, that we like to adventure? Like, maybe six or seven of you really know the depth of our adventure habit. I don't know even what to call it. We scrimp and save all year long, like, to go someplace amazing. And we're like, you know, some people are like, we go to Cancun. And we're like, yeah, we flew to Cancun. And then we drove until, like, like there was no electricity. And then, you know, we kept going until the huts were made of sticks, and we stayed there because that's going to be adventure, right? So we went on sabbatical. We went to the Yucatan, the peninsula in Mexico. You guys know where that's at? So if you, let's see, it would be like this for you. If this is Mexico, it comes up and there's a thumb on the bottom of Mexico. That's the Yucatan Peninsula. Mayan ruins, jungles, jaguars, dysentery, West Nile disease, you know, all the great stuff. You know what the best part about traveling to that part of the world is? You can't give blood when you come home. You know, that's... <laughs> I. Sorry, I, I know it's important, but I really struggle. Don't, don't take my blood. No, I didn't. So I didn't get my malaria. Anyway, so we went there, and we took the kids with us. And we got a car, and we drove 
through the jungle, like off back roads. We went through this town where they didn't even speak Spanish. That's how off the road we were. They only spoke Mayan. Okay, nobody speaks Mayan except for the Mayans. They only spoke Mayan. And we kept going. And we went to this town. We, we decided we wanted to go to these things called cenotes. Does anybody speak Spanish? Did I say it correctly? Probably. I don't see anybody going, yeah, no. So we're going to go cenotes. And what that is is a hole in the ground, um, a small hole. <laughs> and underneath that hole is a, often a cavern of various sizes. And inside that cavern is a pool, a pond, or a lake. And some of these things, the Yucatan Peninsula is like a sponge. It's holes everywhere. And it goes down thousands of feet. And it's filled with fresh water. And it is gorgeous fresh water. I mean, it's blue, the color of, I was going to say somebody's eyes, but I can't even think of anybody's eyes that blue. It's just like amazing. And it's fresh and it's cool. And outside it's like 110 degrees and, you know, 98% humidity. And you're boiling in your skin. And you go into these caverns and you swim and it's just wonderful. So we went off-grid, and we uh, drove to this town. I can't even remember the name of it. And we got to the town, and nobody spoke English. <laughs> we just pull into five white people <laughs> in the middle of nowhere in the Yucatan. And uh, this, this guy comes up with a, uh, a motorcycle tuk-tuk. You know what I'm talking about? He's got like a seat on the front of the motorcycle. And he pulls up, and he knocks on our window, and he's in Spanish. And we were like, tacos? You know? <laughs> And cenote, and he goes, oh, si, si, cenote. So he's like motions to us to park our car with all of our stuff in it and leave it there in the town and to get onto his tuk-tuk and to go to these cenotes. Guess what we said? Yes, of course we'll leave all of our stuff here in the town. <laughs> yes, of course we'll leave all of Here, let's, let me put my cell phone on the seat and we'll just go. And so, you know, we left all, we locked the car and the kids are looking at us like, you sure? I'm like, yeah, it's going to be fine. So get on his motorcycle and drive off through the jungle. And he just keeps driving and driving and driving. And Heidi and I are like, hmm, I don't know. And we keep driving and keep driving. And eventually he pulls off the road and he gets out and he points. And there's like this really rickety ladder that goes down a hole, like about this big. And, and then there's a woman standing there holding a bunch of money. And you just so you pull out your wallet and you hand her money and she keeps looking at you and you hand her a little more money and she keeps looking at you and you hand her a little more money and she keeps looking at you and you hand her a little more money and she goes, see. And then we go down the hole on a rickety ladder. I got pictures. You want to see some pictures? A couple of pictures. I love this story. Okay, so there's the tuk-tuk. I don't know if you can really tell, but there's the hole. And this is what it looked like in the first one. You get in and it's just this, and it's just this huge cavern full of gorgeous water. And you know what? We said yes to getting on the tuk-tuk. We said yes to going down the hole. And so we got to say yes to riding on a rope swing out into this pool of water that was 400 feet deep. And it's clear, crystal blue. You can see all the way to the bottom. You can see people's cell phones they lost down there. I gotta hurry up. I could just go on this story forever. But we said yes. We said yes to park our car. We said yes to get on a motorcycle. We said yes to riding further into the jungle. We said yes to going down the hole on the rickety ladder. We said yes to jumping on the water. We said yes to the rope swing. We said yes to jumping off of a platform into another smaller hole. We went to five of these things in one day. Every single one of them was different. Every adventure was different. And it was one of the best memories of our life because we said yes. And the kids went with us too. 
And you know what? The kids experience that I think often, like us Christians, ought to experience life with God. God is out in front of us. We're just like, we're out in front, we're like, they're looking at us, and like the tuk-tuk, and you're like, we're like, yeah, it's okay, get on. And they get on, they're like, oh, this is great. Amelia's like, faster! You know, it's like, you just had a great time. And we go into the, we, like, we come up to the hole, and the kids are looking at us like, you really want to go down there? Follow me. I'm going to go down the hole first. Follow me. Here I go. I'm going down the hole. And the kids, they, what, what they did? They came down the hole. And then they see the rope swing. Well, what am I supposed to do? Follow me. I'm going to go out on the rope swing, and I let go, and I'm going to swim, and I'm going to enjoy this adventure. And the kids did it too. You should have seen Amelia. It was insane. I have a video. I'll show you another time. And then we go to another hole, and it's like 15 meters into the, I mean, it's like, you guys haven't seen the cartoons where they dive off the diving board into the bucket of water? It's like that. It's like eight feet wide, and Isaac is jumping from like 18 feet up. And he's like, I want to go higher. We said, no. <laughs> That's how Jesus works. He's inviting us. Will you follow me? Will you follow me to your neighbor? It's going to be an adventure. Will you follow me down the hole into the dark places in other people's lives? Will you follow me into the water? Will you follow me into this thing? And then you're like, Jesus, I want to jump from higher. And he says, no, not right now. Sometimes he says no. But it's always for our good. And he's inviting us into something great. And it's something that I want to point out about this whole sermon. Uh, we've gathered together as a church family a couple of times recently just to talk about vision and future, um, talk just about being sad that we had to say goodbye to some family members who have moved away. And one night we were praying, and, and Sherry, I'm using you as an illustration, I think it's maybe the first time I've ever done it. Um, she's praying, and she just like prophesied. She says, it's not about us. This isn't about us. And I want you to know this. This adventure, Jesus, is not about you. Go back to the text. Paul comes into the city. He comes to the synagogue. And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures. And here's what he did. Explaining and proving that it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, saying, this Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. It is all about Jesus. That's what Paul preached that's what the disciples experienced. When they said yes, they said yes to Jesus. They didn't say yes to doing more work. They didn't say yes to making it happen. They didn't say yes to inventing opportunities to share the gospel. They just said yes to Jesus and whatever he led them to do. And it was his mission, his life, his sacrifice, his work, his power, his spirit, all resting in them that allowed them to live a life like no other. And he is inviting you to do the same thing. To be a spirit-filled Christian, it means that we believe and experience the reality that God empowers us to do everything he calls us to do. God is with us everywhere, he go, everywhere we go. It is all about Jesus. Jesus says, and surely I will be with you to the ends of the age. Go into all the world. Everywhere you go, preach the gospel. Everywhere you go, be good news. Everywhere you go, give me your yes, but know I am with you. I am with you. I walk with you. You're not alone, ever. God does not send weak people into the world. Some of you are going, I don't know. God does not send weak people into the world. He sends us with power. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses to the ends of the world. If he is with you always, and if he sends you in his power, 
what should you fear? Of what should you be afraid? Who can be against us? What is there to fear? Man, that's why we sing that song. Forever he is with us. Forever he is with us. Forever his power is upon us. What is there to fear? To be a spirit-filled church, that means as I see it, that you and I together are a part of something much bigger than us. We're something, a part of something much bigger than Pullman Foursquare Church. Much bigger than the church in Washington State or the church in the United States or the church in North America or the church even globally. We are a part of God's mission in this world. That there is this adventure that we've been called to this life that we've been called and invited to share with Jesus. It's going to have highs, it's going to have lows, it's going to have twists, it's going to have turns, it's going to have dry times, it's going to have fruitful times, but it's always going to be an adventure. And that adventure is about being with Jesus in his work. Being with Jesus in what he is doing in the world. So I'm praying for you this morning. I'm praying that God would wreck you in a good way. I'm praying that God would wreck you for Christian survival. I'm praying that God would wreck you for ordinary. I'm praying that God would wreck you from business as usual. I'm praying that God would wreck you from your old ways, that he would wreck you from your broken history, that he would wreck you for your addictions, he would wreck you for apathy. And I pray that you would catch the wind of the Spirit this morning to be filled with his spirit. He would fill you and fill me with his spirit and that we would move, he would move us in such a way that we are keeping in step with what he's doing in our world right around us. I mean, we're not talking about big mission stuff. We're just talking about encouraging somebody. We're just talking about actually saying, not just saying, I'll pray for you, but praying. <laughs> the Christians do that all the time. I've had to break myself of that habit. Hey, Joe, I'll be praying for you. Back to what I was doing. No, it's Joe, I'm, I'm praying for you. Jesus, wreck Joe. <laughs> wreck Joe. Wreck Joe's family. God, wreck Joe's work. Wreck Joe's businesses. Wreck Joe's, not his car, but everything else. <laughs> wreck his life in a good way for you. God, I pray that each of these people in this room would say yes to you before you even ask. God, fill them with a sense of expectation. God, may they give you a yes that is full of expectation of what you are going to do. God, I pray against the spirit of fear and the spirit of apathy that rests upon your church. God, we confess that we are not what we have wanted to be and we are not what you have called us to be. God, we want more. We want to see more. God, make us brave. I want to take a moment of silence, just one minute, and I'm going to ask you the same question I asked last week. What's stopping you from giving Jesus your yes?
read a verse over you guys. I want you to just hold on to that thing in your mind, okay? Hold on to it. In Isaiah 43, God says this over his people. I'm reading verses 1 through 3 and then 11 and 12. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and apart from me there is no Savior. I have revealed and saved and proclaimed, I and not some foreign God among you. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, that I am God. You are God's witnesses. He didn't choose somebody else to be the witness that you are called to be, the unique creation at your moment in time, your space, your work, your family. There is nobody who can fulfill the role that God has called for you to be his witness in. There is nobody. We can wait around all day long, Ron, for somebody to come along and be Ron, but it'll never happen. There is only one Ron. And you have a unique mission, and each one of you has a unique mission called to be his witnesses. He is God. It's about him, not about you. But you are his witness, his hands and feet, his voice. So let me say this. Do not hang back waiting for somebody else to fill your role. Do not hang back waiting for somebody else to live your adventure, but live the life that God has called you to and say yes. Right now what I want to do is to take up that thing that is holding you back, and I want you to hold it out in your hands like this. So for some of you, it's a big, heavy one. For some of you, it's a little, itty-bitty guy. Mine's kind of big and heavy. <laughs> Lord, right now we are lifting our roadblocks up to you, we are lifting the things that are getting in the way of us saying yes to you, up to you. And we are giving it to you as an offering and a sacrifice. God, help us to live the adventure that you've called us to. To give you our yes. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to sing the doxology to close and then we're going to go have free Italian sodas. Because free is better than $3. I want to ask you a challenge first. When God presents you with an opportunity and he says, follow me, say yes. When God presents you with an opportunity, don't waste it, Doug. What are you going to say? I only asked you because I knew you would say yes. When God gives you an opportunity, say yes. If you want a life of adventure this morning, if you want a, a Christian faith that is alive, will you just say yes with me? On the count of three, we can just give it a shout maybe? Is that cool? We're, you know, we're charismatic types here. We can do that. So on the count of three, if that's what you want, let's just give God our yes right now. One, two, three. Yes. Oh, baby. That was the best one ever. Like in the history of the church, best one ever. So Jesus, I just pray over these people, your power and your spirit. God, fill them and give them the courage to live their yes. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you say, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly host. Praise
praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Go in the grace of our Lord. Meet somebody new this morning. Have an Italian soda. Let's have a party, an actual after party, all right? Let's party!